Basically me. <laughs> so uh, today I'm going to preach a message called the generational blessing. The generational blessing. I want to encourage you guys to take notes um, for, for these messages. I also want to encourage our church uh, to be a bit more prompt. I've noticed over the weeks, uh, it seems like everyone gets here as worship ends. And so uh, I'm not rebuking anyone in particular, um, but just about half of you. <laughs> uh, let's, let's really try and be here at 4 o'clock. Worship starts at 4 o'clock. And I know, I know you guys need your beauty sleep, but um, 4 o'clock should be, should be plenty. Uh, so really want to challenge you, church. Be here at 4 o'clock. We want to see Itaewon uh, transformed. And that's going to take all of us coming together. All right, generational blessing. So I'm going to share a little bit of my background, a little, uh, some stories from the past couple years. Uh, as most of you guys know, I'm the healing deliverance coordinator of New Philadelphia Church. And uh, so I've led a lot of people out of different bondage, different trauma, a lot of sin, hurt, things like that. And I've been amazed at the different stories of people who've come through this church. Uh, you'd really be amazed by the majority of the people here and the stories that they carry. We've actually had multiple people come through this church who were double orphans. Double orphans. What that means is that their parents uh, either abandoned them when they were young and they were adopted. Uh, and then their adopted parents uh, died or abandoned them or their birth parents uh, passed away. And then their step parents abandoned them. Things like that. That's like a double orphan. Uh, that's pretty wild uh, that we've not just had one, but we've had multiple. Uh, people with that. And we've had all sorts of other stories. I mean, you name it. Uh, it's, it's, people have come through here with all sorts of different hurts and trauma. And for a while, I was starting to think that maybe uh, New Philadelphia ch Church just attracted these people. You know, it's just like a, a place for desperate people that are just, you know, gone through, gone through all sorts of madness. But as I've talked to other churches, I've realized that uh, it's, it's pretty much the same at every church. And at churches that have a healing deliverance ministry that really try and help people, you see it. You know, people open up and they share about just the, the different uh, rejection that they've experienced, the different addictions that they're struggling with. It comes out. Other churches that don't have that ministry, it's usually muffled. And so you think everything's okay uh, until you see them, you know, when, when they're struggling, uh, until you see them when, when they're not around church. And so there's something going on in our generation and if you wonder why, you should look back at the past three generations. Think about the past three generations. Now, I'm going to say from an American standpoint and then a Korean standpoint. For my, my past three generations, they endured, my, my great-grandparents endured World War I, okay, and then the Depression. My uh, grandparents endured the Depression and World War II, okay, and, and like my grandpa fought in World War II, uh, really affected him. He became a different man after the war when he came home. Uh, and then my parents grew up in the hippie generation. Okay, there's a lot of drugs, sex, uh, all that stuff, just a lot of rebellion. And uh, my parents were involved in that stuff uh, in their youth. For Koreans, uh, think about your, your, descend your ancestors. Okay, your great-grandparents endured the Japanese occupation here. Uh, that, that was a whole lot of oppression. Your great-grandparents went through that occupation, then World War II, and then they went through the Korean War. I mean, you talk about double whammies, triple whammies. And then your parents, they had to survive the rubble of the Korean War, uh, work out of that. And for many of them, they became enslaved by their jobs. Uh, if you look at a lot of uh, our parents, a lot of them are slaves to the jobs, to money, um, to just those different things. Why? Because they were working so hard before uh, that, that money got the most of them. And you look at North Korean refugees, it's the same for them when they come to Korea. Uh, polls are showing, just research is showing that many of them become very materialistic. 
uh, because they've worked so hard in their life before. Now they're making money and they're working hard and they want more and more. It becomes addictive. So these are our past, all right? I mean, <laughs> wow, you know, think about our generation, what it should look like after two generations of war and occupation and then a generation of rebellion or materialism or just being burdened uh, by having to work all the time. You can look at Korea and, and see the results. Korea has one of the worst, if not the worst, suicide rate uh, in all the world. They also have uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, abortion rate uh, in the world. Uh, that is Korea. And it's the same in North Korea. So many uh, dying of, out of starvation, execution, all that stuff. Uh, so needless to say, it's rough. Needless to say, there's a lot of orphans out there, whether they're true orphans or whether they're people who have family but aren't really uh, welcomed by their family or have been hurt by their family. There's plenty of such people, especially in our generation and the younger generation. So with that in mind, I came to Korea at the end of 2005 to serve in a children's home. I've been serving there for five and a half years now. I also direct uh, orphanage ministry called Jerusalem Ministry. And when I came out, um, I had the mindset that there is so much hurting in this world today that it would be selfish of me to have children of my own. Because there's so many other orphans, there's so many other children that need love, that need attention. And so how could I, you know, divide my time between my own children and these children that I'm trying to reach out to? And so I thought it was honorable, uh, you know, admirable for me to kind of set that aside. And to be honest, I even set aside marriage. Um, for a long time, I was just focused on, on the Lord. And uh, I really felt that, hey, if I'm going to go into North Korea, uh, there's a chance of death, there's a chance, you know, imprisonment, different things like that. And I don't want you know, to, to marry someone. Them have to go through that either. I want to just be able to be used by the Lord, live for him, you know, recklessly, that type of thing. And uh, thankfully, God's changed that, you know, those things. And I'm going to share a little bit of the process of what he's done in my life and how he's changed my heart and uh, how, what, what the Lord wants to speak to you all as well about your own lives and about this generation, especially the younger generation. So for me, what, what really started to change me was I went to a conference in 2009. And it was a conference on North Korea. It was intense. It really changed my life, uh, along with some other friends that went with me. Um, but almost all of it was in Korean, and it was like 7 in the morning till midnight, like sermons. And when you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that was small group time. And so it's more Korean. And uh, I remember my small group leader, he had the Tegu accent, and uh, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And uh, they were so amazed that this white guy could speak a little bit of Korean, and they kept trying to ask me stuff, and I'm just like, I'm so tired. Um, but that was the conference for me. But there were refugees, defectors, um, just different people that spoke. It was very powerful. But there was one speaker uh, that really cut to my heart, and he, ironically, was the one English speaker. Uh, it was an evangelist from America, uh, this white guy who just came to speak at two sessions, like an hour each. And um, this guy was filled with charisma. Uh, he had authority. He was just exuberant. Uh, he was something else. And so he was just going nuts, talking about identity in Christ, the authority we have, and just really, you know, rah, 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 that type of thing. And then at one point, he said, all right, church, how many kids do you want to have? How many kids? How many kids? Church, you need to have four, at least four. If you're not having four, you are not multiplying, and Satan is winning. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I was like, whoa. And uh, it... It was a lot more, like, you know, exuberant than that. I'm sorry. But uh, he, he just went nuts. And um, he was speaking all this in about how, you know, all these godless people are having so many kids. And just all these generational curses are increasing in our younger generation. But so many Christians and godly men and women are only having one or two kids. And those blessings are not growing. They're dwindling. 
And God called us to multiply. And in, in order to multiply, you got to have four kids or more. And uh, he challenged us, and he spoke about the generational blessing a little, and he shared how his children, even his four-year-old daughter, was getting angelic visitations, um, was speaking in tongues, was just like on fire for God, a little four-year-old. And uh, wow, I mean, it, it kind of shook me up. And uh, needless to say, God began to open my eyes to the generational blessing. He began to convict me in ways I'd never been convicted before. I had had my focus for so long on, on the bondage and trauma that marks people, and even those generational curses, I hadn't even thought of looking into the generational blessing. But I want you guys to look at Isaiah 61, verses 8 and 9 again. If you guys could open up your Bibles. Isaiah 61, verse 8 and 9. And uh, that's another encouragement to the church. Please do bring your Bibles to church. It's a good thing to do. Isaiah 61, 8 and 9. We will come back to this later on in the sermon again. But it says this. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them the recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Church, these verses are very clear about a generational blessing. That when you get a person who believes in God with another person who believes in God and they come together and they are living a righteous life, you better expect that there will be blessings that will come forth. And it's the same for the opposite. When you get a person who's living in sin, another person who's living in sin, guess what? They're going to they're gonna bring forth someone who is struggling in sin, okay, who is in those bondages. But when you have two righteous people come together, it's a guarantee of blessings. This is God's promise here in Isaiah 61. So the evangelist kept, kept speaking about this. He kept talking about how curses are multiplying exponentially. Blessings are dwindling. It was almost like he was saying, hurry up and get married and have kids. And needless to say, I was, I was shook up. I was like, wow. I mean, I, I wasn't going to have kids, let alone even get married. And now this guy's like saying, if I don't have four kids, then I'm not obeying God. And uh, that's how I was feeling. And so thankfully, because there were so many speakers um, that spoke in Korean, I had a lot of time to kind of daydream uh, during the conference and reflect on what he had said. And it was during that time that my mind just started to wander on, on the Word of God and on different things that I had noticed in my life. And one thing that God started speaking to me about was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys know that in the Bible, God likes to refer to himself as, I am the God of Abraham, of his son Isaac, and his son Jacob. God loves to identify himself in that way. And if you look at their lives... He appeared to Abraham multiple times and said, you will be the father of many generations and you all nations will be blessed. He spoke blessing over Abraham time and time again. And what did Abraham do? He walked in faith. We don't see that he did too many accomplishments other than being willing to sacrifice his son. That was a huge act of obedience. But he just simply walked in faith. He knew he was blessed and he was blessed. His son Isaac, I believe God only appeared to him once. He gave the same words as he had given his father Abraham, that you will be blessed through you, all nations will be blessed. And Isaac, although he didn't do that much, uh, according to Genesis, as far as we can see, what we do know is that he walked in faith, and he claimed it for himself, and he was blessed. And we look at his sons, Jacob and Esau, and uh, to, be, to be honest, they, they didn't believe they were blessed. Neither of them did. Esau forsake, forsook his inheritance. He treated it with contempt. Um, he gave up his birthright, uh, selling it to Jacob for just some soup. Uh, and then Jacob, uh, whose his name meant deceiver, he was so much striving for that blessing that he deceived his father. He dressed up like his brother Esau, went into his father to get that blessing. And where did he end up after striving for his father's blessing? 
He ended up in the desert with a, with a rock for his pillow. Uh, that was his blessing. But it was actually there in the desert, all alone, away from his family, that God appeared to him, just as he had appeared to Isaac and to Abraham. And he gave him the same promise of blessing. And what we read on is that Jacob had a struggle where he would strive for the blessing, he would try and deceive for it. But then in other cases, he would start to believe that, wait, I am a son of Abraham. I'm the son of Isaac. I am blessed by God. And we read uh, as his life went by, he ended up amazingly blessed. And he had 12 sons who were basically the fathers of the Jewish people, the fathers of the Israelites. So God began to just open my eyes about the generational blessing. And you guys know about generational curses, at least I think you're aware, uh, because when I'd studied those three before, I'd known that, hey, wait, look at Abraham. He deceived uh, people. He lied about his wife twice. He said, she wasn't my wife. You look at Isaac. He did the same thing, exact same lie. He lied to a ruler and said that this woman's not my wife. And then you look at Jacob, and his name means deceiver, and his life was just filled with lies. And you think, well, that's a generational curse. You see how it just grew uh, and how it just, man, it blew up through Jacob. But God is not the God of generational curses. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he is the God of blessings, especially through family, especially through family. So I want you guys to open your Bibles again to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi is the book just before Matthew. It's the last book of the Old Testament. I want you guys to look at this. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 is what I'm going to read. What this passage is about is it's about marriage. It's about abuse and it's about divorce and how God hates them both. And tucked into his anger about divorce and abuse is this verse. And it's the verse where God says one of the main reasons why he has people come together as husband and wife. And it's this, Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. God desires godly offspring. It's one of the main purposes of why he has two people who believes in him come together and marry. It's what should be expected when a man of God and woman of God come together. That they have godly offspring. Children who are blessed. Children who are not of this world. And so God, you know, kept speaking to me at this retreat through these verses. And uh, I, I still wasn't that sure, uh, to be honest, because it was just like a whole new paradigm shift for me that I need to have a bunch of kids and that, you know, there's this generational blessing. Like, it just seemed like a little crazy. And maybe it sounds the same for you. And so I, I just needed more proof, uh, to be honest. I, I was like, God, I, I really need to see this. Now, I had seen some uh, children who were just anointed, just like that evangelist's daughter who spoke in tongues and, and was just seeing angels. I had witnessed other children, like eight years old, praying in front of 10,000 people at International House of Prayer, Kansas City, and just rocking the sanctuary, rocking the auditorium. Uh, I had seen little children pray for the sick and them get healed, and it really encouraged me. But to be honest, when I looked out in the world, um, you know, most children weren't walking in that generational blessing. And so I knew this one couple, they were pretty much like my role models, example for me in ministry for, for the orphans. And I knew that they had two children. And their names are Roland and Heidi Baker. They have ministry in Mozambique. Uh, they're amazing. Um, the, the deaf hear, the blind see, the cripple walk, the, the dead are raised, um, raised up. I mean, this is consistent happening in Mozambique. And they're the two founders of this ministry. Orphanages all over the nation, churches all over the nation. 
And uh, I just knew that they had kids, you know, missionary kids. And I was curious, how did they turn out? Were they blessed? You know, because if you guys know missionary kids, you know, it's, it can be a little rocky. Uh, I bless any of you in here who are missionary kids. Uh, but it's just true because usually you're not raised, you know, with your parents or it can be a little hard. And uh, so I was curious. And um, I then met a friend who had served in Mozambique and he told me this story. He said that uh, he was in Mozambique uh, like a couple years ago, a while back, and he was having dinner one night with a bunch of friends at a restaurant, and Heidi Baker's son was there. And as they were eating, um, Heidi Baker's son was just busy sketching something, and he was sketching, sketching, and they were just having a good time. At the end of the meal, uh, Heidi Baker's son took the sketch and showed it to one of the guys there. He was visiting from the States. As a matter of fact, he had just come over from the States trying to find his calling in Mozambique. And Heidi Baker's son said, hey, does this look familiar? And what he had sketched was a perfect sketch of that guy's ex-girlfriend, who he had just broken up with before leaving America. And what had happened was when he had come to Mozambique, he was in a state of confusion. He felt like he had to go into the mission field in order to, to get a calling from God. But when he arrived in Mozambique, he felt kind of this, this pull that he needed to go back, that he wasn't supposed to leave her. And so he was still confused. And then he sees this perfect sketch of his ex-girlfriend. And uh, God continued to convict his heart. He ended up returning to the States, and he married her. And uh, they have a beautiful marriage. And uh, that's the story, okay? Who, who wants to meet Heidi Baker's son? Come on. So I, I want to ask you guys, is it just coincidence that Roland and Heidi Baker's son has this unique you know, spiritual gift where he can do things like that? Or is it because of the obedience and the faithfulness of Roland and Heidi Baker that there is just a greater measure of grace and favor over their son's life? You can ponder that as I share another example. Um, Yale University in the late 1800s decided to study generational lines. And they took two examples. They studied two men from the early 1700s. One man, his name is Max Jukes. Okay, and he was known as a man who did not believe in God. Uh, and married a woman who did not believe in God, and, and um, they kind of liked alcohol and, and liked doing different things like that. Uh, they studied his line, and then they studied the line of Jonathan Edwards. And if you know Jonathan Edwards, he was a mighty man of God, and uh, he was one of the leaders of the Great Awakening, a revival that hit America in the 1700s. And so they studied the descendants uh, of these two men. And while the numbers for Max Jukes uh, of his descendants, they're disputed, uh, a lot of them were... Thieves, drunkards, prostitutes, and murderers, okay? A lot of bad stuff, if you look. Uh, there's a lot more. I just included those things. Um, but the numbers are a little disputed, and we're not going to focus on that. What I want to focus on are the numbers that have been proven, and they're for Jonathan Edwards. And this was from a report in 1900, okay? And this has been proven. From Jonathan Edwards has come more than 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, over 100 more professors, 60 physicians, 100 ministers, missionaries, theological professors, 80 men elected to public office, including three mayors, three governors, several members of Congress, three senators, and a vice president. 60 became authors with 135 books of merit, 75 army or navy officers, and some other descendants with other prestigious jobs. Okay, how's that for generational blessing? What's interesting to note is that Jonathan Edwards married a mighty woman of God, and uh, he loved her very much and often spoke that he was inspired by her, uh, that she enabled him to do the ministry that he was doing, and he spoke out on behalf of gender inequality. This was in the 1700s. 
Church women weren't allowed to vote until the 1900s. He was standing for things centuries before as a result of his wife. So what would you expect for such a godly man and such a godly woman? What type of descendants and legacy would you expect? I, I just read it for you. So what should you expect from your life? What should you expect from your children? If you are walking after God, if you've been healed and delivered, if you confessed your sins and you're walking in that righteousness and you marry a man or a woman who is also walking in that way, what should you expect, not just for your children, but for your descendants, for the next generation, the generation after that? This challenged me. And uh, many of you guys, as a result of your parents and your grandparents, you guys possess generational blessings that you're, you're not even aware of. There are certain areas that you could just claim. And if you claim it in faith, you will have it. You will have it just so strongly. And I, I can tell you in my own life, uh, I've been blessed by my parents. Now, while my grandparents, they went through divorces and they had their own struggles, my parents have been very faithful to the Lord. And uh, they married when they were 18, 19. They worked through college, uh, worked through the entire way, uh, and just kept working. And they were very faithful with their money. Uh, they always tithed. They gave offerings, even when God called them to give just, you know, from out of their savings so that they'd be living day to day. They would do it. They trusted in the Lord. They were faithful. And as a result of that, I've been so blessed uh, in terms of money and just with that favor. I've been a missionary for five and a half years, church, and, and I'm doing fine. God has just blessed me. And um, there was only one time when I sent out support letters. It was at the end of 2006, my first year. And uh, I sent it out, and I was all worried about money, and, and no one responded to all those support letters. And God spoke to me and said, what are you worrying about? Don't you know who you are? You're my son. Just, just pray, and I'll provide. And he has provided 2007, 2008, 9, 10, 2011. And, and while I am a missionary, while I am serving the orphanage, and I'm directing this orphanage ministry, I'm not what the world labels as missionaries are supposed to be. I have an apartment. I have a car. Uh, God has provided for me. And uh, he's really blessed me. And I just recognize that that's been a lot through my parents, through their financial integrity, through their faithfulness. And uh, there's plenty of other things that they have blessed me with. Uh, my dad has been so faithful in serving in Sunday school for 30 years now for high schoolers. And it's from him that I believe I received that heart for the orphans and for the children. And you know what? My dad would not be ashamed one bit to say that my son has a much greater ministry than I do or than I've ever had. And as a matter of fact, my dad is so proud of that. He's so proud of what's happening in my life. And I remember when I was younger, he said, my prayer for you, son, is that you would have a double anointing of what I've had. My prayer is that you would have a double share and that you would go on and do far greater things. That is such an example of a father of generational blessings. That is such an example of a father in Christ. Just a beautiful father in the church. And uh, so I've been blessed. And, and how have I received my blessings? I want to tell you, church, one way that you receive your blessings is following the example of your father. Following the example of your father. My dad, as I said, demonstrated to me how to tithe and to give to missions. My dad demonstrated to me how to read the word, faithfulness in the word, and faithfulness in prayer. He demonstrated to me how to serve the community. Now, there was no time where he took me aside and did a seminar on tithing. There was no time that he took me aside and said, this is how you read the word. He didn't do anything of that. He just lived the Christian life, and I noticed, and I followed that example. And because I followed that example, I've received so much blessings, so much in my life. And so I, I want to say right now, though, I know I'm saying this about my father, and yeah, my father's really blessed, but I know for so many of you guys, your fathers didn't really cut it, okay? Maybe, maybe your parents abused you, maybe your parents rejected you, maybe your parents just weren't there for you, maybe you guys just didn't have a, a parent, a father or a mother. 
So does that mean that you guys have just lost your generational blessings? Does that mean that you guys have no inheritance? Not at all. I want to say not at all. But I want to be honest in saying this, that it is harder for those who have grown up and families that have been abusive or, or rejecting or things like that to receive from God. And this is why, okay? This is why. We receive our picture of God the Father through our earthly father. Okay? So the picture that we have of God is often the picture that we have of our earthly father. So if I asked you guys, what does God the Father look like? Many of you guys would give me a description of what your earthly dad is like. So if your dad was far off, you would say, oh, God the Father, he's good. He's up there. He's far off. Okay? He's not around. Okay? And you might say some good things that you've learned, but if your dad never provided for you, you probably don't view God the Father as a God who provides for you. If your dad did not protect you from different things, you likely have a spirit of fear or different things that you struggle with because it's hard for you to see God the Father as your protector. So there are steps to take in order to get these lies off and receive the same blessings that those who have a good father receive. And these are the steps, church. What you need to do is to forgive your father for his shortcomings. I don't care if he was such a loving dad. If he didn't give you gifts... He never demonstrates to you how God is a gift giver. And likely you live thinking that you're, you're not worthy of any spiritual gift. Likely you might live thinking that I have to earn any gifts from God. And that's a lie. You need to forgive your dad of any shortcoming. And then you need to renounce any lie that you have learned from your father that is a lie regarding our, our godly father, our father in heaven. So for instance, if, if your father uh, did not protect you, what you need to do is, I, I forgive my father for not being there for me when I was in high school, when I was going through a really hard time. I forgive him for all these things. God, I pray you bless him. And God, I renounce the lie that God the Father would ever not protect me. I declare that he is Emmanuel. He is God with me. He is my protector. He will take care of me. And Father, I ask you give me more revelation about this. Church, you see these lies, they serve as blinders. Whatever false examples you received in your lives, it's caused you to not be able to see God fully. So you need to renounce those lies. And when you do that, you're able to see God the Father just as I was able to see my dad as I was growing up. You're able to see those things demonstrated to you. You guys getting this, church? Okay, so I, I imagine if I came up to you and I said, you have the same gifting as Heidi Baker's son, which a number of you do have in this room. Most of you guys would be like, Whatever. No, no, that's, that's, you know, Heidi Baker's son. That's someone that's really anointed. You know, not me. Or maybe you guys would think, well, you know, God has given me a little bit of prophetic, you know, gifting. God says old can prophesy. But, you know, I, I feel like I have to go through some, some years of struggling. You know, I, I have to grow in my character. I have to do these different things. And then maybe God will bless me with that gift. Okay, that's a lie as well. All right. I mean, did the prodigal earn any of his gifts? Think about the prodigal son. When he went home, Okay, his father gave him a new robe, he gave him a ring, he gave him new sandals, and then he, he made a huge feast for him. What had the prodigal done to deserve that? Okay, he had gone off, taken part of his father's inheritance, and just wasted it on prostitutes and partying and on all sorts of other craziness. And then he had to take care of pigs. He's coming back home covered in pig grime. He didn't deserve anything. But still his father loved him. Still his father provided for him. Still his father gave him gifts. Why? Because he was a son of his father. And fathers live with a, fathers love with an unconditional love. Fathers give no matter what. They care no matter what. They bless no matter what. 
So church, in order for us to receive these generational blessings, it is so crucial for us to renounce the lies that we've learned from our earthly fathers. We need to renounce these lies and ask God for the truth. I also want to tell you guys, for those of you who are in this house in New Philadelphia, you are in a safe place. You are in a good house. Because not only do you have your your biological parents, but you also have spiritual fathers and mothers. And this is a house where love, where the supernatural, where different things will be demonstrated to you, which you might not have had any time in your life. You see, while my dad was such a blessing to me in teaching me about walking with God and, and about money and different things, uh, I didn't know about the supernatural until I went to college. And even there, I knew very little bit about it. It, was until, it wasn't until I came to Korea and began serving under Pastor Christian on the prayer team that I began to learn about the spiritual gifts. I began to learn about just, just prophecy and the gift of knowledge and discernment and these different things. And I want to tell you, through Pastor Christian fathering me, I have grown into the man that I am today. You see, it wasn't just my earthly father that I received generational blessings from. It was from my spiritual father here as well. And there are other spiritual fathers and mothers here who have amazing blessings to give to you guys if you will just seek it out, if you will just follow their example and submit to them. You will be blessed. Satan loves church hoppers. Satan loves when people just wander around. Why? Because they don't get the blessings of the house. They don't get the blessings of the family. Satan hates it when people find a place and they swallow their pride and they submit to whatever things that they might struggle with and they just choose, hey, I'm going to be a son of the house. I'm going to be a daughter of the house. Why does Satan hate that? It's because they begin to receive the blessings of that house. That Australia team went out and released amazing blessings in Australia. And I'm going to tell you the same thing is going to happen for the Japan team, Malaysia team, and Bangladesh team. And it doesn't matter whether Pastor Christian's on the team or not. The whole team is a part of this family, is a part of this house. And what we've seen is what started with Pastor Christian moving in the anointing, then it started to happen with just the core leaders. And then it started to happen with, with more of the active leaders. Now we find on the mission field, every person, whether they've been in the church for years or they're a newcomer and they just signed on, they move in miracles. When they pray for people on the mission field, people are getting blasted. Some people who haven't even received the gift of the Spirit themselves, they're praying for people and people are receiving it. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's wild, guys, but that's the blessing of the house. And I can guarantee you, if you continue to be in this house, you will receive these blessings. You will be blessed. Follow the example of your father. If you don't have a father, you need to get into a church and you need to find one. You need to find men and women that you can follow, that you can see just their example, see the life of faith, and have it happen in your life as well. I can guarantee you that Heidi Baker's son, I can't guarantee, but I bet if he didn't live in Mozambique, if he didn't live where there were all these miracles and, and all these, these crazy things supernatural, he too probably wouldn't have ever, ever believed that he had that gift. You know, it would have taken so much for him to believe. But because he grew up in that atmosphere, in that house, that believed in the supernatural, it was easy. It just flowed. I mean, it wasn't strange that he could do those types of things. It was just natural. All right, and that's what you should expect in this house. The supernatural is natural. It's another core value of this church. And if you are here long enough, you will see just amazing demonstrations in the Spirit, and you too will begin walking in them. So, are the blessings limited to just your family and to the family of Christ? No, there's more. There's more, church. And I want you guys to open your Bibles now to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. After Romans and First and Second Corinthians. Galatians chapter 3. 
I'm going to be reading verses 7 through 9. It says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Church, I want you to repeat after me. I am a son of Abraham. Now repeat this. I have the blessing of Abraham. Guys, this is a powerful identity that we have in Christ. Scripture, very clear here in Galatians, says that for those who believe, those who have faith, you have the blessing of Abraham over your life. You are sons of Abraham. And if you have the blessing of Abraham, we should be expecting the same visitations, the same favor that Isaac and Jacob walked in. They were sons of Abraham, and so are we. Church, last year I preached a message on a Friday fire called Why Pray for Israel. And if you didn't listen to it yet on the podcast, I want you guys to listen to it. Go to iTunes, New Philadelphia Church, 2010, and download it. Why Pray for Israel? It's a crucial message. And in it, I speak about the generational blessings. And if you look at the Jewish people, it says that because they're sons of Abraham, they will be blessed. And despite them not believing in the Messiah, despite them not believing in Jesus Christ, you can look at the Jewish people today and say, man, they are blessed. While they have endured such persecution and such trauma in their lives, you also look at them and they stand out in almost every field, okay, in science and and medical stuff and entertainment. Uh, I spoke in the message last year that of the Hollywood directors, like half of the most famous Hollywood directors, they're all Jewish. Woody Allen, Steven Spielberg, uh, a bunch of others that aren't coming to mind. It's, It's wild just how blessed these people are. And there are not many Jewish people in the world. I believe there's far less Jewish people than there are Koreans. Uh, Far less. And yet they're so blessed. And so I want to tell you, church, if they're blessed, so much more are we. You look at Ishmael. He was the, uh, the first son of Abraham. He was blessed. Even though he was rejected by God, even though he didn't live in faith, still because he was a son of Abraham, he was blessed. He had 12 sons who became fathers of nations. Esau, even though he treated his inheritance with contempt, he still couldn't escape the blessing as he grew up. And you see that Esau became the father of the Edomites, a a mighty nation. And when Jacob showed up and met him later in life, Esau was so blessed that he laughed at Jacob. And he said, why are you trying to give me gifts? Can't you see how blessed I am? Okay, even though they were faithless, God still blessed them. So how much more should we expect to be blessed, church? How much more, if not only we're sons of Abraham, but we believe in Jesus Christ, should we be blessed? Guys, the main ingredient for walking in generational blessing is faith. The main ingredient for walking in generational blessing is faith. Okay, while you might still be blessed if if, if you're Jewish and you don't have faith, for us to be a Christian, for us to receive the true blessing, we need the faith of Isaac and the faith of Jacob. We need to know that identity through and through. Because when we know we're the sons of Abraham, no longer are we worried about money. No longer are we worried about our family. No longer are we worried about shelter and the future and and what are we supposed to do. Why? Because we know God's blessing us. God will guide us. God will provide for us. God will take care of our family. God will take care of all these things. He took care of Abraham. He took care of Isaac. He took care of Jacob. He took care of Jacob's sons. He will take care of us. As we believe in him, we should expect these blessings, church. Guys, there should be no fear in this church. 
Jesus commands us not to worry about money. He commands us not to worry about clothing. He commands us not to worry about these things. He says, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened unto you. Don't you know you have a Father in heaven who loves to give you good gifts? Guys, if you know you're a son of Abraham, you know that God's going to give you good gifts. He's going to give you more than just what you need. More than just what you need. More than just what you need to get by. And I want to speak to those who got punched uh, to go to Pusan. If you guys didn't know, we're planning another church plant. This church was a result of a church plant last year in King Bar. Uh, It started in April last year, and then we eventually moved to here uh, in December. And next year, we're planning to send another team down to Pusan to do another church plant. And uh, as I've spoken with different people who who we've punched, who we've encouraged to pray about it, uh, they've had different concerns. You know, what about my job? What about my family? You know, what, what about my future? What about these different things? And, you know, God might have a plan for them to stay. He might have a plan for them to go somewhere else. But regardless, if God is sending them somewhere, if they're a son of Abraham, they, w- they should expect to be blessed. They should expect even greater blessings. That as Abraham was faithful and he left the home of his family, he was blessed. And then as he went farther, he was blessed even greater. So should those who are being sent out from the church expect to be blessed. We're sons of Abraham, church. We're sons of Abraham. What if you lack the faith? What if you're like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of believe I'm a son of Abraham, but, but you know, I, I'm just not sure. Uh, a beautiful example of this is the man Gideon in the book of Judges. And when the angel appeared to Gideon, he was hiding because of the Midianites, who were the enemy of, of Israel and were enslaving the people of Israel. He was hiding away, and the angel appears before him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And how does Gideon respond? He says, how is God with me? And why is God talking to me? Don't you know I'm the weakest of my family? And the weakest, my family's the weakest of the clan? And my clan is the weakest of all of Israel? When you talk about a guy with a poor identity, okay? I mean, he just believed he was a loser of a family of losers, of a clan of losers, okay? How should he believe that that God's going to provide for him? And God's just like, no, that's not who you are at all. You got to take off those shades. You got to take off all that doubt. You need to believe. And God granted Gideon signs to show that he was truly with him. And there were multiple signs in Gideon's life that helped grow him into the faith of knowing, while God is really with me, I am truly blessed. It culminated in Gideon literally going down to the Midianite army and just snooping around the, the tents and overhearing two Midianite soldiers talking about some wacky dream that symbolized Gideon destroying the Midianite army. And it was at that point where Gideon was like, all right, that's it. I believe it. I am a mighty judge. I am a mighty warrior. I am a person God has set apart, and I will take this army. And he did it. He became one of the greatest judges in Israel. Church, it's the same for us. God loves us. He's not like, oh, you you know, you faithless people, you know, forget you. He loves us, church. He died for us. He sent his son while we were still sinners to die for us because he cares for us. And so he loves it when we try to walk to him. And he doesn't mind when we say, God, I need a hand. God, I need some help. God, I need some strength. God, I need you to give me some faith. I need you to, you say that I'm a son of Abraham. You say that I'm blessed. God, I'm really not sure about it. I, I, I need some help. God, grant me some signs. God, if I'm, I'm a son of Abraham, Lord, I expect that you'll help me out in my work. You'll help me out here. And guys, I'm telling you, God will hear your prayer. God will bless you. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Okay? God loves giving faith. You can't earn faith. You have to ask for it. Faith is a gift given from God. And so, you know, to briefly recap, uh, I'm not finished yet. 
you know, so don't, don't get ready you know, to go. But to briefly recap so far, there are three sources of generational blessings that are very clear. One is through your family, another is through your church, and another is simply through Abraham himself. Church, you are blessed, each and every one of them. How do you receive it from, from your family and from the church? By following the example of your fathers, whether they're your physical father, your natural father, or your spiritual fathers and mothers, by following their example. That is how you inherit the blessings of your home, the blessings of your church. And how do you receive the blessings of Abraham? Just the way Abraham received it, through faith. Through taking the promise of God that Abraham received when God appeared to him, through what we received through reading Galatians, through taking those promises and just believing them, putting them into practice, walking in faith. That is how we inherit the mighty generational blessings that God has for us. But now I want to go back to that conference, okay? Because that guy was, was preaching about how we need to have kids, okay? And, and it, it bothered me a bit because, you know, I, I wasn't planning on having kids. And uh, I want to share uh, just a little bit about that. Okay, I've seen... Uh, just like I said, Heidi and Roland Baker, I've seen them have, have amazing children. Other families have amazing children. And what I want to say is it's true. Church, you need to have kids. Okay? You need to have kids. All right? I know that's shocking. All right? But you need to expect this. All right? That if you are walking with God, all right? If you have not been ashamed and, and you're willing to open up with some of the leaders of the church and just clean out your closet, Clean out any generational curses. Clean out anything that maybe you inherited as a result of your great-grandparents or grandparents or, or parents' sin. Cleaning that out and just cleansing yourself, I can guarantee you that if you marry another person who is walking in the same way, your children will be so blessed. They will be so blessed. So church, I want to challenge you in that. And yes, Sky and I have talked about this. And we're planning to have these children. God changed my heart. Okay, and, and while we still plan to, to take care of the orphans of North Korea, what God has spoken to Sky and about, I and, uh, about separately, all right, before I came together with her, was that our children will do far greater work than we will ever do. Okay, and I, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm excited. Okay, that is the heart of a father, is empowering your sons to do more than you ever did. Okay, and so God's, God spoke that to me. God spoke that to her. And so it was just confirmation that, yes, we do need to have children church. Yes, this is one of our callings from God. It was one of the first commands of God ever in the book of Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply godly offspring. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Like I shared, this church just seems to attract so many people with hurt. So much pain. And um, I especially look at the younger generation. And we have had so many people come in here uh, and are in the house who have pasts that are worse than the children in my orphanage. Uh, just the, the pain that they've gone through, the hurt that they've gone through, uh, is ridiculous. And when you hear their stories, if you were to hear them now, uh, you'd be probably pretty depressed. You'd be pretty hurting. And it's just like, man, there's so much injustice. But for me, when I hear these stories, although it is, you know, it, it, it's sad to hear them, I, I actually get excited because I know they're in the right place. I know that every person who is hurting, if they're in this church and they're committed, man, they're going to get healed and delivered, and God is going to use them in ways they would never imagine. Okay, I know this because at my children's home, the best workers at my home are the workers who grew up in the home. Why? Because they understand the heart of the orphan. They grew up that way. Okay, and they're able to reach out. Even those who don't know God, they're still very effective because they know that heart. And those who know the Lord are so effective in, take care, in taking care of these kids. 
And I want to tell you that God has granted us the opportunity and the privilege to father and to mother so much of this hurting young generation. And as we do this, God works all things for his good. He is able to take the pains and the trauma of these people who are hurting in this house and turn them for his good. He is able to turn their pain and use it so that they can be a channel of compassion, of love and understanding for the broken in this country. Guys, God has sent you here for a purpose. You're not here just to do church and to go home. God sent you here to change your life, to turn it upside down, to bless you tremendously. He didn't create us just so that we could pass life, God, pass life by. He didn't create us just to watch TV. Okay? He didn't create us just to sit around, just to, just to hang out. Guys, that's so sad. It's good to rest now and then, but God has given us a purpose. And I'm telling you, it is far greater to give than to receive. And as we mother and as we father a hurting generation, we reap such greater rewards than we could ever ask for. You are blessed. You are blessed. So I want to challenge you, church, as you begin to receive these generational blessings, I want to challenge you to have a different mindset. And think, this isn't just for me. This is for my children. And this isn't just for, for the children that will come from, from, you know, as a result of my marriage. This is, these are for my children that I will nurture and care, my spiritual children. There are so many in this generation who are crying out for a father and a mother, who are crying out for someone to reach out to them. And before I close, I want us to look back at Isaiah 61. I want you to see the result of you reaching out to the orphan, you reaching out to the hurting. Open your Bibles back up to Isaiah 61. We're going to look at these verses again. If you've been in this church, you're familiar uh, with the first three verses of this church. First three verses start out. It starts out, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Why has God given us His Holy Spirit? This is why. It says, To preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness for the prisoner. And it goes on and on in verses 1 through 3. God has given you His Spirit. Why? To serve them. To serve the poor. To serve the brokenhearted. To serve the prisoner. To serve those who are in captivity. To reach out to those in bondage. That's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. Now look at the results. Okay? Isaiah 61 is addressed to you to reach out to them. Now look at verses 8 and 9. It says this. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them, them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Who are they? Brokenhearted. It's the poor. It's those, that, the prisoners. It's those that we reach out to. You see, the first three verses is God's giving you his spirit. Why? To reach out to them. Them, them, them. You reach out to them. And as she read earlier in verse 6, it says, You shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. But look at verses 8 and 9. It says, I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. See, this isn't about you. It's about your children. It's about those that you father. It's about those that you mother. It's those that you take care of. God says, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with them and nations will acknowledge they are a people the Lord has blessed. You guys getting this church? It's not about us. It's about them. It's about us receiving his Holy Spirit and walking in obedience to him and reaching out and loving. And that's when we see the glory of God poured out. And look at this. You know, we're the sons of Abraham. It says, you shall eat the wealth of the nations in their glory you shall boast. 
Am I worried about the future? No. I mean, how am I going to take care of 10,000 kids in North Korea? Okay, that's like $20,000 a day just to feed them. Where am I going to get that money? From some you know, New Philadelphia church and some supporters? No. But I know that as a son of Abraham, the nations are going to give me their wealth. Japan, South Korea, China, they're going to give me the money that I need to take care of these orphans. I expect it. I expect it. God's not going to send me there to fail. He's not going to let these children starve. Okay, I can guarantee you, church, if you have compassion for someone, God is going to equip you with the anointing you need to reach out to them. You might not see deliverance right away, but if God gives you a heart, you pray and you expect it. And God's going to give breakthrough after breakthrough. And it's going to build up and that blessing is going to grow. Amen, church? Are you receiving this, church? Church, I want to challenge you. Spread the love. This life is so much more than you. And God has equipped you with every blessing in Christ Jesus. He has equipped you with every blessing in Christ Jesus. You are sons and daughters of Abraham. You have the blessing of this house, of New Philadelphia Church. And if your parents, if they were faithful, you have the blessing of your parents as well. Church, you're anointed. Let's use this anointing for good. Let me close in prayer. Hallelujah, God, we exalt you. And we just thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you've given us a purpose in our life. God, we thank you that, Lord, this life is so much more than just getting by. It's so much more than going to have dinner and watching a movie and going to sleep and waking up and going to work and and repeat. God, it's so much more than that, Lord. And God, we thank you that you equip us with every blessing that we need. God, you fill us with your Holy Spirit. And God, we thank you that you're a good Father who gives good gifts to your children, whether we're, we're deserving of it or not, God. You give freely because you love unconditionally. And I just declare the lies of this church being broken off. Every lie, Lord God, Father, that restricts this church from knowing how blessed they are, I just declare it broken off in Jesus' name. And I declare the children in this church, the sons and daughters in this church, rising up Lord, as fathers and mothers, Lord, of this hurting generation. And God, I declare you are raising up mothers and fathers in here who will reach out to the orphans of North Korea, of South Korea. And I declare that every pain and trauma in here, God, you will use for your glory, God. That you will release such compassion and understanding in the hearts of the people in this church, God, that we will be so effective in loving, Lord, the unloved and clothing the naked, God, and sheltering, Lord God, the homeless and doing what you've called us to do. God, you're so good. And I just ask for the fire of God to fall right now, Lord, in this house, God, that you will burn in our hearts, Lord, that you will just break off all pride. You'll break off all selfishness, God. God, we declare that selfishness is not of us, God. We aren't meant, Lord God, to live for ourselves. We're meant for something greater. And I pray, open the eyes of your church. Open the eyes of every son and daughter here of the purposes that you have for us. And I declare, Lord, amazing legacies of every person here, God, that, Lord, we go from glory to glory. So we expect a far greater legacy than Jonathan Edwards. We expect a far greater legacy, Lord, than Roland Heidi Baker, God. We thank you, God, that you are increasing your glory in us, God, and in the next generation and the generation after that. So, Lord, burn in our hearts, Lord. Break off selfishness, Lord. Give us your heart, God. You are so good. We thank you that we're sons and daughters of Abraham. We thank you that we don't have to worry about money. We don't have to worry about the future. We don't have to worry about these things. But as we commit it to the Lord, you take care of these things. As we give it to you, you provide, God. You are so good. We bless your name. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.